Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we'll conclude our NFC South team preview series with the New Orleans Saints. I've already finished the NFC and AFC North. This will be the last one, NFC South. AFC South has been completed as well. So without further ado, your 2020 New Orleans Saints fantasy football team preview. Starts with the same guy it's been starting with for the last decade and a half. Drew Brees, now 41 years of age. I mean, look, is he making the same downfield throws all the time that he he was able to make 10 years ago? Absolutely not. And we've seen that in each of the last two playoff losses, just and at times, you know, glaring inability to get the ball downfield. Now, this really has never been a big part of the Saints' offenses, to be fair. I mean, even in the heyday in the early 2000s, Breeze was never ranking, you know, even as an above-average quarterback in terms of throwing it downfield. I guess the difference is now, sometimes when they run into an elite enough defense to ignore, you know, those downfield throws, that makes everything so much more difficult for the usual efficient, you know, down after down, slants to Michael Thomas, whatever to Alvin Kamara. I mean, obviously... Thomas is so, so much more than slants, but truly just the things that Thomas and Kamara and Breeze can do in those underneath areas of the field, so incredibly efficient, and that has helped prolong Breeze's career big time. I mean, he's been QB7 in fantasy points per game back-to-back seasons, and, you know, last year he was top five QB in adjusted yards per attempt, QB rating, completion rate, touchdown rate, interception rate. We're adding Emmanuel Sanders to the show. I mean, probably the best number two receiver that Breeze has had. I mean, this is not a situation where I'm saying the dude is washed and, you know, incapable of leading a high-end offense because that's that just hasn't been true over the past few years. The question, I guess, is does Breeze still have that ability to turn, you know, a top five season, be truly, you know, a top three quarterback in the entire league, take it to Indian every defense he's uh, up against. And honestly, I don't know if the Saints should be considered like the leader favorite to uh, win the NFC or anything like that, but I'm coming around more and more to Breeze as a fantasy player. I thought his uh, you know, upside was less than it really was last season. This is sometimes a problem we run into with quarterbacks that don't have that same uh, dual threat ability. I'm, I'm guilty of this for sure, where you know the pocket p- pocket passers that you don't really want to reach on, they're aging. Guys, it, it doesn't really matter because we see quarterbacks again and again the highest percentage of QB1 finishers since 2010 have been quarterbacks in their double-digit double, double digit seasons or more. So all these guys have had at least 10-plus years of experience. Your Breeze, your Brady's of the world. I mean, father time comes eventually, but in this loaded Saints offense where they're only replacing one offensive line starter, they're upgrading the number two receiver, and we got ballers everywhere, I just don't think 2020 is going to be a year where Breeze falls straight off a cliff. I mean, I mentioned he was the QB7 in fantasy points per game. That's a little unfair because he, he had a nine-snap effort against the Rams when he broke his hand. If you remove that game, Breeze averaged 22.5 fantasy points per game in 2019. Only Lamar Jackson averaged more. I mean, I, I don't think Breeze is going to be a top-five QB next year, but he falls a little bit to around that QB1 borderline or even you know top 10. I say go for it. So moving on to the backfield, it's the Alvin Kamara show. And Latavius Murray will be involved to some extent, but it's just... This is not the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara situation where it was more 50-50, maybe 60-40 Kamara just due to the extra receiving work. I mean, Murray, he had the Week 7 and Week 8 games where Kamara was out, and this dude was a workhorse. 84% snaps and 82% snaps. Guy caught 15 passes in those two games. I mean, we thought for years Latavius was just this early down plotter and couldn't really catch the ball. 
Turns out maybe that was just because he was playing with Jarek McKinnon, didn't need to catch the ball. Murray, highest of end handcuffs. I would only take uh, Tony Pollard and, you know, Kareem Hunt, if we want to consider him a handcuff ahead of Latavius Murray. I mean, prioritize him in your drafts. But like I was saying, do not expect standalone value from Murray. That's the only problem. He only had double-digit touches in four of 15 games other than those, you know, two massive performances when Kamara was straight up out. There won't be the standalone value there, but I think in this funky season, you know, with COVID, you know, I've had to go on podcasts and just talk about, you know, what has COVID changed my, how has that changed my draft strategy? And the one thing I kind of come back to is I am prioritizing handcuffs for my players. And honestly, even if Latavius isn't your, you know, player, just look where he's going in these drafts. Like, why take someone like, you know, excuse me, because I love this guy, but why take Duke Johnson over Latavius Murray when one of them, we know if he gets the chance to ball out, he is going to be putting up high-end RB1 numbers. And the other one, you know, I doubt that Duke's role would change even with an injury to David. I think they're going to still find someone else to take those early down carries so you know i will take the guy with less standalone value but sky high rb1 value if an injury occurs over the guy that's you know going to give you maybe rb3 production every single week but he's not gonna give you the pop so upside 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 everyone latavius murray oozes it even if it's not going to be a great standalone situation and Look, back to the main focus here, though. Alvin Kamara missed two games due to injury last year. I mean, he admitted that he did not feel like himself upon returning. And guess what? He was still the PPR RB9. And this was came with a, a lot of inability to find the end zone. Taysom Hill did not help in that uh, scenario. You know, had, he had only two fewer targets than Alvin Kamara inside the 10-yard line. I don't really think that's going away, but at the same time, we should expect an even better version of uh, Alvin Kamara for more of the whole season this time around. I mean, his broken tackle rate resumed the 2017-2018 levels when healthy, and I mean, those 2017-2018 levels, honestly, like near the top of the league, only Kareem Hunt is going to be the guy you're going to find more consistently elusive than Kamara over the last few seasons, so... Positive scoring progression is in his potential range of outcomes. I mean, there should be so many points to go around this offense. I'm not too worried about Taysom Hill. But honestly, it's just the receiving work. And mentioned this, you know, in the Carolina Panthers team preview at McCaffrey. But it's just unfair in fantasy football, especially in four-point per reception formats. When you have someone like Alvin Kamara that has caught exactly 81 passes in three straight seasons. Exactly 81. Madness. But just having that high of a pass game floor is unfair. I mean, McCaffrey has also accomplished his feat, uh, you know, having at least 80 receptions each of the past three seasons. Every other NFL running back in the league has just four such instances during this span. So Kamara, three. McCaffrey, three. Every other RB, four. Truly, guys, this receiving work is a cheat code. On the wide receivers, number one wide receiver in fantasy, you know, Many, he needs to be in the conversation for number one wide receiver in the game, Michael Thomas. League high targets, 185 targets. Broke Marvin Harrison's reception record with 149. Racked up 1,725 receiving yards. I mean, Drew Brees is back, but we even saw with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I mean, Thomas can just create separation against anyone, seemingly ball out even without his future Hall of Fame signal caller. And, I mean, there's a case to be made that Emmanuel Sanders comes in and actually just takes away attention from Thomas, allowing him to thrive even more. I mean, Thomas last year averaged a full 3.7 PPR points per game, more than the next closest finisher in 2019. I was going through these top five players, like their worst case scenarios, like not talking injury, not talking COVID, but how could Michael Thomas bust next season? And 
Like, he's not going to bust. The volume is just there. Now, will he be the wide receiver, overall wide receiver one again? That remains to be seen. But, you know, previous two seasons, even before last year, this dude was flirting with 150 targets in that high, you know, 140 target range and finishing as a top eight uh, PPR wide receiver in both seasons. Still hasn't managed to score double-digit touchdowns, even though we know, you know, the type of contested catch goodness that Thomas has in his repertoire. I just think that, you know, the floor is just still so high. And even if he does drop down to that 150 target range instead of the 180, 200 target range, like we're still getting a wide receiver one. I'm not drafting Thomas ahead of any of the top five RBs, those guys being uh, CMC, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, and Cook. But man, he deserves to be the fantasy wide receiver one, no doubt about it. Then we have Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, self-pronounced diva, which, like, I hate the when these wide receivers get crap for wanting the ball more. Like, show me a wide receiver that doesn't want the ball thrown to him. I did not want that guy on my team. But he turned 33 in March, seemingly immune to father time. I mean, this dude played 17 regular season games last year because he got traded uh, midseason, full postseason slate. And this guy had a late-season Achilles tear, you know, far out into the 2018 season. You look at that Super Bowl on the final drive. I mean, I'm watching a clip of it right now. Jimmy G, fairly clean pocket. Sanders split the double covers down the middle. Better ball away from scoring the go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl. Now, sorry, 49ers fans. I do think that, you know, Mahomes would have gotten right back on there and, you know, taking the ball down the field against that tired defense. But, you know, Emmanuel Sanders made a ton of big plays last year. Uh, truly a talented guy. I just think he's going to be a much better real-life addition than fantasy. I mean, we've only seen Thomas, Marquise Colston, and Brandon Cooks average more than 15 PPR points per game with the Saints since 2010. 2016 was the only year that Breeze helped multiple wide receivers pass that threshold. If it was Thomas and Sanders and you know they were the top two guys in the offense, great. But the problem is Alvin Kamara is the number two. The Saints rarely throw down field, so I don't think Sanders is going to have all that many fantasy-friendly opportunities. And Jared Cook sitting right there, too. And he, it wouldn't be shocking if Cook had more targets than Sanders next season. So Sanders, better real life than fantasy asset, in my humble opinion. And then expect wide receiver sets to be filled out by Traquan Smith. Maybe more Deontay uh, Harris, their uh, kick returner, all-pro kick returner. I would love to see Harris get on the field more uh, over Traquan. I'm not sure if Harris you know, has the ability to just slide in as a receiver yet. He might be more of a gadget guy. That's probably why Traquan is still out there. But I just feel like every time you see Harris touch the ball, that dude's got a different level of uh, you know excitement and ability as a deep, deep field stretcher and just get the ball in his hands any way you can. Now Jared Cook, 33-year-old tight end was amazing last year with the Saints. I mean, it's wild kind of the second half of career uh, that Cook has been putting forward. Career high marks last year in yards per catch with 16.4, 10.8 yards per target, nine touchdowns. I mean, we had eight games after Breeze returned from injury, and here are Cook's uh, fantasy finishes per week. PPR tight end eight, tight end 11, tight end three, tight end 12, tight end three, tight end 11, tight end four, tight end 11. That's pretty damn good, everyone, especially for someone that, you know, finished with fewer than five targets in eight of 15 games. Now, will his efficiency just disappear because it's hard to stay that good? Potentially, but he's a pretty, you know, to be that efficient in the fall, Cook could easily go from elite to above average, still be a plenty fine fancy asset. I'm not reaching on him. This offense is really crowded. He is getting up there in age, you know, a lot, a lot of mouths to feed, but Jared Cook, Still very good at the game. Should have, you know, 
anytime you have exposure to anyone involved in the likely top five scoring offense, not bad for fantasy business. So on to the ranks. I have Drew Brees as my QB nine. He is one spot behind Carson Wentz, one spot ahead of Matthew Stafford. You know, in that tier of kind of the aging gunslingers with Brees, Brady, Matt Ryan, Stafford, Rodgers, I am going Breeze over the rest of them. Just think his environment is far and away better and more proven and more consistent. Uh, running back, I have Alvin Kamara as my RB4, one spot behind Zico Elliott, one spot ahead of Dalvin Cook. I mean, sometimes people ask, like, why is Kamara in this group, even though he doesn't have that same kind of featured workhorse 80% plus snap rate. It's just because of the receiving. And again, just the full point per reception format. When you get that many catches, it's just so hard for Kamara to bust. I have Latavius Murray as my RB36, one spot ahead of Matt Breida, one spot behind Sony Michelle. You know, we, we can argue. I Maybe I should move up Tony Pollard ahead of Latavius Murray, but Latavius truly has an argument to be that uh, you know number one um, handcuff that anyone should be prioritizing in that RB3 range. And there are even scenarios, like it wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever if we did see Latavius get a little more run than normal. You know, I, I remember saying before, only double-digit touches in four of 15 games last year that Kamara was playing in, but you know, he was great last year. And if they are in a great matchup where they can go ahead and pound the rock a little more, wouldn't be shocked if Latavius gets a little more involved on a week to week basis. Michael Thomas, obviously PPR wide receiver one uh, uh, behind him, Devonte Adams. I'm a little bit lower on Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, I explained, I just don't think this is an offense that's going to necessarily be able to enable multiple high-end guys. I have him as a wide receiver 52. It might be a little bit low. One spot behind Jerry Judy, one spot ahead of John Brown. I mean, it's just a testament to fantasy football this year where this is why everyone's saying draft these Arby's early because you can literally go 50, 60 wide receivers talking yourself into each and every one of them. Tight end, I have Jared Cook as my tight end 12. One spot behind Mike Jasicki, one spot ahead of Blake Jarwin. You know, for those with Taysom Hill uh, with the tight end eligibility, it's interesting. We're going to need to see more consistent, like, playoff usage, like we saw in that Vikings playoff game. I think for me to really consider playing Taysom on an every-down basis, you know, every every week basis in fantasy, I would say just, you know, continue to be annoyed by Taysom, but don't be so annoyed that you actually consider putting him into your fantasy lineup. So on to the win total. The Saints are sitting pretty top of the NFC South, 10.5 projected win total. Only other teams in the double digits are the 49ers at 10.5, Chiefs at 11.5, Ravens at 11.5. I kind of like the over here, and I know it's risky, you know, betting the over on these higher up ones, but... You know, Saints defense should be in a better spot. Janoris Jenkins now is the cornerback two there. Could really sew up that weak spot. We'll see what version of him they get, but I do think the talent is still there for him to be a great number two across from Lattimore. Pass rush, you know, uh, Cameron Jordan. Anytime you got Cameron Jordan on the defensive line, you're going to be legit. I think the defense could be one of the better ones that we've seen in New Orleans over the past few years. And with all the, all the continuity back on offense with a few you know, notable upgrades, mainly Emmanuel Sanders. I do think the Saints can go ahead and get another 11 wins. So thank you all for listening. This has been the 2020 New Orleans Saints Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Ian Harditz, and until the next one, take care. Everybody.